No. It's enough. Even torturing you is boring. This is the small council. Alrighty, welcome back to another episode of Small Council Radio. So, as the title says, we are going to be discussing how to handle with Martells. Well, uh, shortest show ever. Uh, Olena is the only way to deal with them, period. Uh, so everyone play Baratheons, and uh, good night. This, uh, you know, we can, we can end it right there. Good send off. <laughs> Not really. Um, yeah. But uh, I do have uh, with me uh, for this episode, Brett. Uh, thank you so much for being on. Oh, it's this, it, this is this is something that's it'll be really fun for me. I uh, I've been excited about Martells. I've been singing their praises um, pretty much since we we started to see some of the units. I thought they were really cool. Um, they're an interesting play style that's added into the mix. Um, that are really strong and really good. They they could fall into the realm of, of what you might call a negative play experience. But overall, I think the addition of something like that is good. And I, I think a lot of the, the, the issues that people ha- are having with them is that they do disrupt what's been kind of the normal grind and the normal kind of style of play. You know, you introduce a hero's box or you introduce some new units to a faction. It doesn't really change the way that faction plays the game. It either doesn't fit in what they're running or it makes what they're already doing better. So I think Martell's come along and, and they kind of disrupt everything. And, and that's probably one of the reasons that people are a little uncomfortable with them right now. I'm, I'm still standing by what I said when they were released. Uh, when we had Fabio on, I think they're beautifully designed. I, I think they're phenomenal. I agree. And, uh, you know, they're doing really well right now, especially on stats. Um, I wanted to pull up stats, kind of use some of the, some of that um, info there. But uh, they, I want to put it out there that I think they're actually a pretty tough faction to pilot. Um, you know, I've been playing since the game first came out, and I've played more games than I can count. Uh, and this is probably the, uh, Martellus were the hardest faction out of any faction for me to kind of pick up and just, you know, to learn and kind of take off with, um, you know, because I play every single faction. And I play, other than maybe like Night's Watch and a little bit of Targaryen, which I still play, but not that often, uh, everything else I play pretty regularly. So, um, you know, this Martellus is definitely not a faction that you can just pick up and immediately know exactly what to do. Um, a lot of their stuff requires certain timings, um, requires certain, uh, you know, order that things need to happen. So it, te- it definitely takes uh, some practice. But once you kind of get the hang of it, especially if it's a faction that you're kind of dedicated to, that's uh, that's when they really start to shine. So, um, so Brett, uh, what where would you kind of start with uh, with 
how how to deal with them if we're i guess the easiest way would be um let's break it down kind of go over every single unit every single like commander and cu but uh just like the key things about martels that people tend to um find to be too strong uh how would you deal with some of those things so it it can be a little bit difficult to say. I have not – I've played a couple of games against Martels. I've played mirror matches, and then I specifically built a Lannister list that I thought would work. Um, I don't know if you would call it a skew Martel list or not per se, but uh, it was not Doran NCU. Uh, he just ran double Slademen with Harmon Euler, and the list idea that I had to take Martell's out was uh, Lannister's with two crossbows. Well, that's, <laughs> that doesn't work so well against double fat game. But um, a lot of a lot of it is still kind of theory. But I I do think that the best piece that you can bring is some type of ranged. If you have access to crossbows, I think crossbows are really strong. I think the orbital strike are strong. And I think until late game, when they can get set for charge with like battle endurance off and, and one shot of solo, I think that solos in general are, are fairly strong against them. And the reason I say that is because the playing as Martels and against Martels, the, the, the thing that can kind of start this cycle of you being quote unquote stuck in kind of surrounded and killed or if you're the heavy hitter of the army, you're just removed from the game. That starts with charging into a Martell unit and getting hit with Dune Tactics. So in particular, you're thinking something like Flademan. I think Knights of Castle Rock and Tully Cav, Flademan minded a lot. So when you alpha charge in with Flademan, you're expecting to do a fair amount of damage when you, when you lose three attack dice or if you're a, an infantry unit and you use you know, you lose three or four attack dice. I guess most wouldn't lose four, but three attack dice. It ends up being a lot. So then you get kind of sucked into that engagement. The Ilaria and the Spear Captain start dumping weakened tokens on you. And then when you get more debuffs by Unbowed, Unbent, Unbroken, or by um, Rising Temps later in the game, it tends to kind of take that heavy hitter out of the game. Um so it's not just for Dune tactics, but I think Martells in general, I don't think their battle plan is to aggressively go after you. I think a lot of the times it's built around an anchor unit like Royal Guard, and they're just not really interested in rushing across the table and charging you. So if you can hold them you know, at long range and be fairly safe and shoot them, then you're probably in good shape. Now, can't, I just had a brain fart. The Rising Temp is very bad for archers. Once you get pushed to four plus or five plus to hit, in the case of Stormcrow archers, it's going to be really difficult to get any damage out. And then if they're using a Laria to keep you weakened and a Spear Captain to keep you weakened, that's going to blow that plan up. But for now, I do still think ranged units, orbitals, and solos to some extent are your your best chance of getting through them. Because I think once you can kill one or two of their units, I don't think they're built to play from behind, per se, minus, you know, battle endurance, letting a unit just completely rampage your army. 
But outside of that, I don't think they're ever meant to play from behind. So they're similar to Greyjoys in that regard. Yeah, I think uh, it, it doesn't necessarily surprise me that uh, Harmon is the the top um, Martell commander, let alone, uh, I think, the second-rated commander overall right now. Because um, I think Martell's biggest weakness is the fact that they have nearly no healing outside of Harmon. Uh, and that healing is what kind of, you know, keeps them going. Uh, you know, because even with all the debuffs, all the weakened tokens and whatnot, you know, you still get one good hit off on them, and, you know, they could be, you know, really hurting or done for. But Harmon kind of fills that, that gap, uh, in my opinion. I am a little surprised, um, maybe this is just personal preference, uh, that Oberyn Commander, granted he is still 24th overall, but he is the lowest rated Martell Commander. I personally find, uh, again, it's probably just because it's uh, how my play style is, but Oberyn is who I easily do the best with out of any commander for Martells. Um, his uh, Manticore Venom is just super strong when you combine it with Bastard Scrolls, and you're able to guarantee pick what you want that Manticore Venom to go on to. Um, but uh, so kind of how you deal with, I think with uh, with Martells, try to capitalize on the fact that there's a good chance that they're not going to have a lot of healing. So the damage you're doing is the damage they're going to be taking. Uh, I know. A lot of uh, Martells are taking Littlefinger um, uh, for one reason or another. You know, Littlefinger is just naturally amazing. Um, try to keep them away from that uh, that wealth zone. They don't need the wealth zone, as far as I'm aware, for any of their cards. But again, they have no healing outside of a couple small things. And if you can guarantee that whatever damage you do is damage that's going to stick then, you know, it's not really, you know, you're, it's going to help you in the long run. Kind of like Brett was saying is, you know, they're they're not meant for that uh, that late game kind of comeback. But if you're if you can kind of guarantee that they're not really going to get any healing off, then, you know, uh, it's going to make it that much harder for them. Um, how about, uh, you know, Probably the biggest talk around my local and even locals around mine, um, you know, is Doran. How would you approach uh, Doran and kind of some of the tricky things that uh, that you have to deal with with him? A Doran into you? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the most reliable and best counter. Obviously, not everyone has access to. Um, Olena, the most reliable and best counter that you can use is Peter Baelish. So you, on the turns where you are first player, you really have to go to one of the zones that Doran needs, resolve the water gardens, force the Martell player to activate a combat unit, and then you can take your second NCU and claim the second zone that Doran needs. I don't think you have to do that on all three of your turns um, where you have priority, but if you do it to probably two 
and then if you're playing a solid game, you you can come out you can come out on top. I think when he starts to score four or six points just by you know by his ability, then I, I think you can find yourself in trouble because that allows the Martell player really to just need to score four points some other way and not get tabled to win. Um, I, I think it's a bit frustrating for people because a lot of times the zones that that Doran wants aren't ideal for you, so you have to do it to block him. Um, Doran, of course, they're not ideal for Doran, but he gets the benefit of getting the tokens. To get, um, you as the player having to block it, you're a lot of times you're not getting the most out of those zones by blocking them. So um, I haven't messed around with it a whole lot. Um, I know that Doran seems to be um, a topic of discussion where, where people take issue with his design. I'm just not 100% sure that I hate the design that much because it, it can be really easily countered by Peter Baelish. Um, for that reason, when I play Martells, I actually just don't even play him. Um, a lot of that being because he's negatively perceived, and I don't really like to shove things down my opponent's throats that they don't like to play. And then additionally, I just think he's easily countered, and I there's there are other four-point NCUs I would rather have than him that aren't so easy to count. Of course, Lannisters have two intrigues, which is normally enough on its own. And then um, Olena can shut him down as well. So there's there's counters in basically every faction. Free Folk can't take Peter Baelish, but they can take Mance the Bard, who can essentially intrigue him. So I think pretty much everybody has a counter to it. So Yeah, um one counter that I, I do not suggest is obviously he's only going to get extra points if you make it to round four, five, and six. Um, so don't slow play. Um, definitely has been a, a small thing. Not not like some huge uh, glaring thing, but I definitely have heard of a, a few corner cases where if you know that your opponent has Doran and you can wait out the game on them, they can't get those points. Definitely not uh, a recommended strategy. Um, it's never a good idea to um, intentionally slow play. Um, as far as uh, uh, Doran goes, I don't know. Um, yeah, I only use him for tournaments. I refuse to use him in anything outside of a tournament just because of the kind of the negative play, player experience with it even if it has some counters. Um, and then one uh, one combo I was doing, which I, unless it was some big tournament, I probably wouldn't even do, uh, even uh, like at my locals, I wouldn't do anymore, is, uh, and you let me know if you have like a counter to this, Brett, because I would, I would love to know, um, is what if uh, your opponent's taking Doran uh, Tyene and Walder, what uh, outside of Olena because Olena still stops that, and I guess intrigue still can stop that as well. But you would have to draw both those cards. This is more so for the more universal answer of uh, of Littlefinger. Yeah, so I, I'm asking about um, using Walder to, to take first player from them. 
Yep. You just, uh, yeah, you uh, tain and poison the crown. And then mm-hmm. if your opponent ever takes the crown, it'll kill that NCU. Uh, but if they don't, you walder the crown every single round. Even if they have three NCUs, there's six zones. And you always go right. first, preventing the Peter uh, thing. Yeah. Um Yeah, I think you just have to time it and maybe in round, if you can, delay it until round two or three. Preferably round three, you could do it in round two, but you just have to take the crown and get poisoned. Um, that's really, in my opinion, that's the counter to tie in. I've played as her and I've played against her. Um, the games where I see people lose against tie is where they just don't want to take the zone and get poisoned. Um it's going to be a case-by-case situation. It's A lot of it depends on who goes first in round one, which is another interesting thing that, that Martels do, is it kind of disrupts who you want to go first. Um, I think when you're playing against Doran, it's best to go first. Just take your first round, uh, bite the bullet, do the zones, shut off Doran, and get one of those rounds out of the way, and then you can kind of let him do what he wants. Just got to do it again, maybe in round five, and you can really slow the bleeding down from him. Now, when it comes to Tyen, you've just got to, yeah, you've just got to take the poison. Um, if they poison the swords, which is the other common place for Tyen to go, um, and they start putting out some of the cards that you need to use the swords to remove, um, depending on what unit they've got the debuff cards on or, or what's going on, even in round two, you might have to just bite the bullet and take the poison. Um, lose your NCU and try to win the game. Uh, again, just reiterating what I've seen. I've seen Tyen used with like Stormcrow archers uh, because they can use Peter Baelish and just keep double tapping the swords to shoot you. And the opponent is so gun shy about taking the swords because they don't want to lose their NCU. You know, at the end of round three or at the end of round four or whatever it is, they just allow that Martell player to abuse the swords, and that you're just going to lose. Um, whether it's against the Stormcrow archers or if it's against Blade Men, uh, you're going to lose. You can't let them do two free attacks around. You just can't. You'll you'll lose the game. You have to take the poison. It sucks. Yeah, um, I've definitely played a list with two Stormcrow archers and three uh, NCUs to kind of ensure that I can get at least two of those zones uh, almost every round. And, yeah, it's, uh, you know, at this point, the Stormcrow archers work so well with Martells that I don't even, you know, obviously they're probably going to, I don't know, I guess I can't really say because I don't know, but I would assume they're going to get a long-ranged unit. But, I mean, who, uh, I mean, free folk don't have a long-ranged unit, so it's not like it'd be out of the realm of possibility that they don't get one. But even if they never did, Stormcrow Archers work so well with Martells, it, it doesn't even matter, in my opinion. Um, I've already bought an extra box of Stormcrow Archers to paint up in my Martell scheme because they work so well. Um, but, yeah, I would say I would agree that taking it early and preferably not with a um, not with Peter, if you have Peter as your kind of Martell counter, in order to counter that, um that 
uh, combo or that trio of NCUs, I would just say um, to, let's see, I'm looking at his zones right now. Yeah, if you can, choose to go round two, uh, first round two, and then, uh, I mean, I guess it, it won't stop him round two, so... So yeah, you'll you'll go first round one. Peter onto the uh, money bag or something, and choose uh, the water garden, and then something else onto the sword, and that stops in round one. Round two, they say, okay, I choose crown. They choose, let's say, something on the board. Uh, you then or on the tactics board. Preferably, I wouldn't sacrifice Peter because you're going to need him for the later rounds. So then you would take one of your other NCUs, the least useful, take the crown. Um, or no, so you could take the water garden first, make them do something on the board, then take the crown with the NCU you didn't care about. And now they're poisoned. And now you can uh, you go first round three and you can continue to Peter every round. So, or every round you go first. Uh, which at that point, they haven't, uh, let's see, they haven't gotten a single token yet. So yeah, you should be able to completely stop it. But it's one of those things that it has such a goofy interaction and like, like this mind game that really you gotta like, for anyone that really wants to know how to, like, Doran, uh, I would just suggest getting three NCUs for each player, put the Taxus board out in front of you with the Water Garden, and then just back and forth. Okay, you go, I go, you go. And see what combination of the order of uh, activating things and taking things will help you uh, stop Doran. Because really... Um, Peter is such like uh, a universally hard counter that at that point, Dorn probably isn't getting any points. Now the Martell player is paying four points to just dictate where you're going to go. So um, I would say just try to uh, run more of a, a, a lineup of NCUs that can help you mitigate the fact that they're trying to control where you go. So again, Littlefinger is good for that because he has the once per game ability and he can replace a zone to do another zone. Um, granted, you're probably always going to have to replace it to do the water garden. Uh, but you can always run um, like another NCU. Let's say you take uh, um, what should we call it? Uh, you take a zone, make them do the water garden, then the zone that's left over is something that's not useful to you. If you have another replace NCU, you can then take that zone, replace it, and actually start to dictate yourself what you're getting. So I would almost suggest if you're running a three, a three NCU is definitely key as well against Doran, in my opinion. Uh, normally, I wouldn't just straight up advocate for three NCUs. I think uh, there's definitely a lot of strength in two NCU lists. But... In the case of Doran, just having three three NCUs is really strong. Um, so I would say run Peter, an NCU that has a replace effect, 
and then just, I don't know, something else, some other NCU that you want to have in there. But just try to have that, and I think that alone is going to be the counter to probably one of the most controversial things in Martell's. And I think it, uh, you'll be able to completely bypass him uh, and what he's trying to do. With that said, because like, like Brett, like you said, uh, even in tournaments, even though I think Doran is so strong, I still only run him in one list because of his counters. And people know what he does, uh, and so they're going to be running the counters for him. I don't want to be pigeonholed into both of my lists having him in it. So always uh, be – you're unfortunately going to have to pick – uh, your anti-Doran list, even if they only have one Doran list and one non-Doran list, that's actually happened in, the, in my last local. Um, my opponent just he he had to choose the list that was uh, up against the Doran, and I didn't even end up choosing Doran um, because I knew he had the right counters, and I knew he was gonna be have no choice but to pick that list. And for me, even though Doran is so strong in that could have been an amazing matchup for me if they hadn't picked their counters and I had picked Doran. But I was, you know, I just said, I don't really need it, so I'll, I'll run my other list. So it's definitely something to think about. Doran, he adds, for only four points, he adds so much, like, level of complexity to, like, the just uh, playing the game itself. Um, there's just so much to think about and how to counter it. So it's going to be one of those things that you're just going to have to play it out in your head, uh, and preferably before the tournament. You know, if you can, like, do some mental, like, playing it out uh, and figure out what your game plan is going to be, because obviously during the tournament is not when you're going to want to try to figure this out. That's how you're going to fall into some of the traps. But, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's I guess, kind of my suggestion on Doran. What do you think, Brett? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree mostly. I um, I think you just, I mean, Peter's good anyway. If you don't have, if you don't have or want to run Peter, I think you've got to play the game very aggressively. Um, and you can take advantage of the fact that Doran really probably grab one of those zones and a lot of times they're not the ideal zones for them to go grab. So I think with Night's Watch, I'm I'm not sure that I would run Peter with Night's Watch. So I think if you run like a list that has awful NCU to, you know, do some orbital damage and, and things like that, um, you know, Ranger Hunters for the potential to shoot a couple of times, uh, I think I think you should be able to overcome Doran by playing and winning the game. But I think you've got to do one or the other because I, I think if your game plan is, okay, I'm going to score off of these objectives and they're going to score two points and I'm going to take the middle and then that way I'll be scoring three, they're scoring two, and I'll, I'll you know, I'll win the game uh, 12 to eight or whatever it is, or if I can get a couple of kills, I can end the game after three rounds of scoring objectives. I don't think that that's necessarily going to work against Doran because they have other ways to score. So you might have to rethink how you play certain missions or, or what you're planning to do. And I'm not saying that bull is always the best thing, but 
I'm not 100% sure that a passive play style is the way to play into Martell's, particularly if they're running Dorand um, and you don't have Peter. You, I don't think you have a choice but to be aggressive, so you are going to need to keep that in mind. If you're going to an event and you plan to be running into Martell's, you should have a list that's relatively aggressive, and, and I think the meta could shift to that. Everything's in a weird spot right now, though, because um, the Martell's release is just at a really weird time. Because currently, uh, particularly with the results that we've seen from the Euro events, uh, that man's just has such a stranglehold on the meta right now that you you don't have a choice but to prepare for man. And I think if you try to prepare for man with one list, try to prepare for you know Martell's with the other. I think you're leaving yourself exposed to too many other factions because I don't think that the man, the anti-Mance list will necessarily play the same as your anti-Doran slash anti-Martel list. So it's just a little bit weird right now. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens when we get a, a patch and, you know, whenever the patch comes to see if there's some overlap in the way to play those two factions, you know, going forward after the patch. So... I, I don't know. I can't speak on it because I can't see it, but I think that I think that Martell, to an extent, I, I know that according to A Song of Ice and Fire stats, they're the second strongest faction. I can't help but feel that some of that is a result of, you know, what I just mentioned, the, the stranglehold that Mance has. You have to bring something to deal with that, or you just Frankly, you just lose the game. <laughs> unless your player, unless your opponent makes bad mistakes, you just lose um, if you're not prepared to face fans. It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. Some of it is also growing pain. Growing pain. Excuse me. Martells are so new. Um, I think we just need to give them a little bit of time to settle. Because I remember when Greyjoys first came out, um, you know, going into the 2021, the very first 2021 version, um, Greyjoys climbed really high really fast then they kind of sunk down to mid-tier then they were at the bottom for a while and then now they're kind of back towards the middle maybe mid-low but there there's this type of learning experience and growing that happens when these types of play styles are introduced and they shake things up and i i think i still think you'll see the same with martels they're not brand brand new anymore but they're still they're still relatively fresh and relatively new, and I think they're still finding their own way. So they just happen to be designed in a way that they can see how things adjust. But I'm, I'm confident that, that Martells will kind of simmer down a little bit once people get used to them. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, much like uh, – because you kind of compared uh, – the Greyjoys, which the way you compared it, I agree. I think another good comparison for Martells and why they're doing so well, uh, I think this was, this could have been before stats this or even before it like got really big, but um, uh, when Night's Watch first came out, like uh, people just did not know how to deal with Night's Watch. When Night's Watch first came out, I'd still say they're really strong, but for some people, they were just straight up unbeatable. But that's because there were certain intricacies with Night's Watch back then when they first came out that, you know, you 
you had to play against them a certain way. And I think Martells are the same in that regard, that you kind of have to understand them uh, fundamentally to really um, – Martells are a straight-up uh, maneuverable control faction, and that's, that's how I see them. Maybe others would disagree, um, but I see them as like a, a control-slash-debuff and maneuverable faction. Okay, armor. Okay, morale. Obviously, there's some units with better, uh, um, you know, morale or better this or whatnot. But uh, their their weakness is healing. Their strength is, uh, uh, and another weakness would be like buffs. They don't have like a ton of buffs. Um, they have a couple, uh, but most of it is debuffs and the maneuverability and kind of the control play. So keeping that in mind, you know, you're going to have to uh, kind of approach them similar to how you might approach a Lannister player. Uh, then again, the Lannister player has more of that armor um, and panic mechanic, uh, and Martells are going to have more of that maneuverability in the in the debuff. So it's, I think the, the design space for this faction is amazing because they're so unique. And again, I think that's why they're doing so well. I still think they'll be a, a really top com, uh, contender uh, once people kind of figure them out. But you know, looking at uh, you know a lot of their stuff, um, it's not like like their their actual units is not that highly rated. The the Royal Guard are pretty high, but I think that's just because it's arguably their best unit. Um, and most well-rounded, uh, whereas um, I think a lot of their success comes with the the core of the faction combined with a lot of, like, neutral stuff because Flademen in Martells is so good. I mean, Flademen are good everywhere, but uh, like I was saying, Oberyn Commander and Bastard's Girls or even uh, Obara Commander and Bastard's Girls, both are really good. Um and there's just so many good, like, neutral things you can put into Martells. But you talk about, um, for example, my favorite unit in Martells, hands down, is the Dervishes. But they're actually rated the worst thing, uh, the, nearly the worst, like, overall thing, even if you count, like, MCUs and attachments. They're nearly, like, one of the worst things in, in the faction rated. Granted, they're only at a minus four on stats, but... You know, that's not, like, too bad. Um, they're definitely still above, um, above like, the the middle of overall. They're, what, 178th out of, I think, like, 400-something. Um, anyways, I wanted to talk about them because I know I play them a lot, and I've, I've kind of learned how to really uh, make these guys just shine. And even though, I guess according to stats, like, they're not this big problem, but I just felt like the need to kind of still talk about how to counter them um, because the ability to uh, weaken, uh, get a free retreat, weaken your opponent, and they can't pivot is huge, uh, especially because you can debuff. You have a four-up armor and a six-up morale with this unit, and they move six, um, 
and they have the precision, uh, potentially crit blow if you haven't activated, but assuming they're charging you, you've activated. Uh, they just have so many tools at their disposal that, uh, you know, in objective missions, these guys are, are uh, amazing. Uh, especially with, if you have uh, spearmen to get these guys the extra tactical reposition. Uh, in my opinion, Dance of Dragons is all but guaranteed uh, for a victory. You know, you almost can grab, uh, guaranteed to grab the objectives uh, first turn. And the only thing that can really contend with that in a lot of cases is uh, like a cavalry unit. But remember, if that cavalry unit grabs that, not only are they a two-inch move, um, but if they get charged by your skirm uh, your dervishes, that you just auto take the objective because you'll have more ranks. So, as far as a three rank unit that's able to move that fast and grab the objectives first round, uh, these guys are just amazing. Because then if you grab it and they try charging you and you debuff them, they don't do and nearly as much damage as they wanted. You then free retreat going two plus d6 weaken your opponent they can't pivot uh, and you know you could really start to pull away with all these objectives um, it uh, it definitely is, can be a frustrating thing my opponent uh, made uh, two mistakes at our last tournament and he realized it he did it twice in a row and he, he was uh, kind of mad at himself for the fact that he somehow um, m you know accidentally did it a second time but you know he charged my dervishes I free retreated to the side and then was open and charged his unit that he had retreated with prior uh, to get away from everything that only had like two wounds left on it. I charged it and then I was able to then surge forth into his deployment to get the, because it was Winds of Winter, and then I somehow went from being engaged, nowhere near able to get to his deployment, to now I'm in his deployment behind the original unit that attacked me and, you know, the amount of shenanigans you can kind of pull off with this unit is really high. So I would say um, running some control aspects is so to kind of like get, get to the counters, you know, after I've talked these guys up quite a bit, to get to the kind of the counters for these guys, uh, a big one that I didn't even realize that uh, have kind of almost screwed me over in my, in that very same tournament, different game was, uh, uh, What's his name? Uh, sorry, guys. I'm trying to think of his name. I don't know why I'm blanking. Uh, Davos. Davos NCU. Um, his order tokens will shut off that free retreat, uh, if I'm not mistaken, unless we've played it wrong, um, which is big, especially in a mission where it's like objectives and you really can't afford them to run away. Um, you know, just... A lot, it's funny because a lot of the control aspect things are good counters to uh, Martells, which is kind of a control faction themselves. Um, another thing is uh, try to use your activations. I mean, this is kind of already a thing. You know, people already use their activation advantage. Martells don't have a good way to get a lot of activations. Like, if I'm not mistaken, eight is practically the most you're ever going to get with them. Um, and I would say, uh, you know, a lot of my lists end up being seven. 
just because, you know, I feel like I dilute a little too much to get that one extra activation. Um, but, you know, I definitely run both. Anyways, with that said, you know, a lot of other factions can definitely get nine easily or even eight. And even if you're matching them in activations, just try to make sure that those dervishes are going uh, first. Make sure, I mean, I know it's going to give them that crit blow, which is kind of the double-edged sword with this unit. Um, but, uh, you know, on average, they should only get one, maybe two sixes. Two is like if they're really lucky because they only have seven dice. Um, and I think that far uh, is a far better uh, thing to take than having to take um, getting weak or them retreating, weakening you, and then they could charge back in because now when they charge back in, they're getting rerolls on their precision. And uh, when you go to attack them next time you can, you're not going to be able to recharge and you're weakened on top of it. And then they're just going to keep re-weakening you over and over and over. And they're not even going to need uh, like dervish captains or any of the things that throw out tokens. They're just going to fuel their own mechanic and just keep re-weakening you. Um, and also keep in mind what shenanigans they can pull if let's say they wanted to retreat to the side or if they're running away with an objective and so on. Uh, Cause like I mentioned with like dance of dragons, if you charge them and then they retreat two plus D six, they then can activate and go another two. And then I can use tactical repos uh, tactical uh, yeah, reposition and go another three. Like let's say on average uh, you go four, three or four, plus your two, plus your two, plus your three. I mean, you're back all, even though you spent all that movement to get up there, grab those objectives, and the rest of your army potentially is a bit behind, all that movement shenanigans means that you're now back in the protection of the rest of your forces. So um, definitely keep all that in mind. Uh, and I'll, I guess I'll end my little rant there. What, uh, what do you think of all that, Brett? Yeah, I think the dervishes are really good. Um, they are one of the reasons that I was mentioning ranged attacks as being you might want to, if you're not already running it, you want to consider putting in your arsenal to deal with martels. Um, it's also why I mentioned, mentioned orbital damage. Now, martels do have unbowed, unbent, unbroken, which can let them automatically pass a morale test in the case of something like Melisandre. But... Um, they have to control the swords to do that. And um, they just don't have a ton of healing outside of supply aid. So if I was, uh, you know, if I was running Melisandre or if I was running, um, if I was running Opal, I would be targeting Harmon Euler to try to get, get some of their supply aid healing down. Um, I, I, I think that they're they're good choices. Um, I think with Targaryens, you continue running things like the Dothraki veterans backed up by Jorah's in the, by Jorah's solo, giving them the ability to shoot 14 times uh, with rerolls and precision is, is a really good way of dealing with Martells. Um, it's just a good, strong combination anyway against a lot of things. Um, with Lannisters, Kevin Crossbows, Maybe you run crossbows with brawn. Maybe you don't. Um, again, we mentioned uh, 
We mentioned Knights of Castle Rock. They don't mind Dune tactics as much. Uh, you're very unlikely to be able to one-shot the dervishes, so you'll want to do a, a, a shooting volley. Uh, you know, you'll want to shoot them once with crossbows and then send the knights in, you know, once you get them down to eight or nine wounds. They're in the realm of being able to kill them with a hear me roar. Um, Starks, you have things like berserker tactics. I think Stark bowmen are strong. They don't see a lot of play, but they're very strong. Uh, you know, just in general, ranged attacks are good. And then in particular, if you can soften those Martels by any means, it's a pretty good defensive profile. But when you can get them down to seven, eight, nine guys left, then you can send your heavy hitter in and you should be fine. Um, particularly against those dervishes, you don't want them to. The worst thing that you can do is, like, overextend your flayed men, send them in. Oh, man, they've, they exposed their dervishes. They're within 12 inches of my flayed men. I've got this charge. I'm going to take this charge. Just charge in there, get hit with doom tactics, do very little damage to them. They retreat from you. You can't pivot. Now you're weakened. Um, and then their army can kind of react to that and swarm over to you. Or they get your flayed men in this cycle of just charging them. They're retreating, getting weak and charge. And, and if you take Flademan out of the game until like round four, then the Martell players probably won the game. Yeah, I I think um, being a newer faction, I think people are kind of unsure of how to kind of where to kind of place them in the overall strength. And I especially if you have never played against them or I've only played like a game or two. I think uh, you really have to assess your opponent as well. If your opponent is new with them, um, it may be a little a little different, but if you know your opponent is pretty competent with the faction, you really have to be prepared for a lot of different um, things that they can do. There's a lot of flexibility when you when it comes to a faction that has a lot of maneuver tricks. And I'm not talking like a faction, let's say like Targaryens that just have a lot of cavalry. That's different. Uh, having a lot of maneuver uh, abilities like uh, cunning ploy, tactical reposition, uh, free retreats, things like that. That's when um, you really have to be careful with every decision you make uh, and be ready for what they might uh, try to pull off with some of these cards. And then I definitely agree with you, Brett. Ranged is going to be key against Martells. With that said, I'll just give a small warning. Uh, Martells are deceivingly fast. Uh, I can't tell you uh, more often than not. I would say, uh, to throw a random number out there, 75% of my games with Oberyn uh, and Bastard Scrolls, I am charging round one and the unit's almost dead. Why? Because my opponent overextends after I've already uh, went first. I take the free uh, maneuver. I go up six inches. They do some stuff. I do some stuff. Okay, tactical reposition, go up three. Okay, tactical reposition, go up three. Okay, cunning ploy, go up another six or even 12 because I, I can march. I haven't even activated yet. It's easy, like super easy to get across the field with a Bastard's Girls Oberon, uh, especially now that I can shoot you, free two and shift, and then charge you, and then Manticore Venom on you. And uh, if I've gone... Uh, 
let's say I can't say how many times my opponent goes first, and they take the uh, the letter. And so I've taken, I then respond with the maneuver like I was mentioning, which means I then go first next turn. Um, it's uh, to kind of get back to my point is they're very fast. Now when it comes to that instance, that's like that's uh, that's like if they have two spearmen, and that's if they even draw a cunning ploy in their opening hand, um, or if they've taken the maneuver. But even with taking out one or two of those things, I mean, that was that that little combo is like overkill. You're almost like across the board, and you haven't even charged. Um, with that said. Uh, just you have to be really careful with your range units and not let them get exposed. You're going to have to uh, block them. You know, you're going to have to kind of get units in front of them without obscuring your line of sight, assuming they're not Stark Bowmen. Um, and then uh, the best thing I would say is uh, some of the stuff moves so deceivingly fast. I would say just move everything up, protect your weak your weak units that you absolutely can't afford to get charged um, and don't leave anything behind kind of bring it all up all together so that if they try to pull something like that on you that everything can pile in on that one unit because remember healing is not especially if you're not taking Harmon is not a Martell thing healing just really doesn't exist and their NCUs are so good that I would say even though Tycho would be an amazing inclusion you're not really going to see Tycho almost ever in Martels because he is a five-point and they have so many good options. Even just between Peter, uh, Oberon, NCU, uh, you got uh, uh, Nemiria, uh, Tyene, depending, uh, Tyene, in my opinion, is only good if like you're building for it in mind, but still, Tyene, um, Walder, if you're doing that kind of combo, Doran, so many options that you're probably not going to see Tycho. My point, uh, getting back to my point, is that you're really not going to see a lot of healing, if any, really, if they're not running uh, Harmon. So just keep all that in mind. Uh, Brett, uh, any, what are your thoughts? No, I, uh, I don't know if I've seen Tycho played. I'm sure he has been, but generally I think Peter Baelish just works really well with Martell's. Um, not just for, you know, the ability to take the ones per game and control a zone, but you've also got um, Crown. You've got the cards, obviously, that get better with the swords, but you don't always necessarily want to use the swords, uh, but you obviously want to keep your opponent off the swords so that they can't target their unit to get rid of the debuff. So taking Peter Baelish onto the swords and using, like, the... Wealth to heal, for example, is a, a really good play. It just seems to go really well with Peter Baelish. But uh, I think Alaria is similar to what Windermere is for Greyjoys. I think in a lot of ways, Alaria props the faction up. Is she too strong? Probably similar to Windermere. Um, probably so. Yeah, probably too strong. Um probably auto-include in any faction, but I think you can go through a number of factions and say the same thing, and then at the end of the day, you kind of realize almost everybody has that NCU. And then as the outsider looking in, you're like, well, I would I would kill to have that NCU in your faction. You probably have one, 
that causes envy from other factions. You know, nearly anyone would want Barris and Selmy from Targaryens. Nearly everyone would like Arya or, you know, Catelyn or Sansa even to be able to recycle cards. Nearly everybody would want Aemon. Uh, there's a lot of envy for Crafter from Free Folk, but, you know, everybody's got, in my opinion, something like that, that four-point NCU that maybe it feels auto-include, but it's really kind of propping that faction up. So my jury is still out on Ilaria. Um, I put her in the same class as Windermere, where she's probably a little bit too strong, but if you took her to five points, the faction would probably kind of collapse around that change, similar to Windermere. If Windermere was, you know, severely nerfed, I think what's holding Greyjoys up as it is would, would kind of just collapse. So um, I think she's that NCU for Martell. I just look at every Martell list I make, and I just can't ever find a reason that I wouldn't take Alaria. I would always 100% take her because of their play style of control and being able to go on the sword, remove a token from yourself, and drop two weakened tokens if that's what you need or if you've already got them out or that's not the – that's not the priority. You can drop a vulnerable token on one, a weaken. You know, you can mix it up. She can place two tokens as she pleases on units within 12 inches. Um, she's just really, really strong. Um, I just couldn't imagine running Martells without her, no matter what commander I was playing. Yeah, she definitely is uh, something that seems extremely strong. Um, definitely, uh, you know, I think Peter is what kind of really can make her shine too, or Tyene. Uh, Tyene to put the poison on the the uh, combat zone, or even Peter to have that once per game to uh, count as controlling the combat zone to really give her the freedom. Because I think without Tyene or with Peter, one of her drawbacks is the fact that you do in some cases have to play around needing that sword but not need, not wanting to take the sword yet, uh, if that makes sense. Especially if you're running Doran and Doran has to, because Doran has to be the one to take the zone to get his order token. Um, you know, that can really uh, play into making Ilaria uh, um, kind of harder to use. But even with that slight drawback, she's still amazing. I think uh, I think that small drawback is what kind of keeps her a little tame. Uh, granted, you know, Tyene and Littlefinger are so good uh, to run either way that they just kind of complement themselves uh, when they're in the same list. So uh, what else, uh, Brett, would you say is something that's been kind of giving people fits? Uh, anything in particular for Martells? Um, anything in particular that's giving me personally fits? Or just uh, general, you, or kind of even like, like the, people that you're close to that are kind of been like, man, I just don't know how to deal with this. Uh, yeah, I actually um, we had a kind of a, a day of gaming yesterday, and I'm, I'm not going to name drop anyone, but there seemed to be a little bit of frustration around Martels. Um, some of that is probably growing pain. Um, it was, you know, some people kind of just getting back into it, first time dealing with Martels, but. I, I felt for the player um, because it was Harmon Euler that was being pay, played. So 
uh, in both games, the opening charge um, spearmen, and then the spearmen were able to set for charge and turn to face. Caught that was a little surprising for the player, but overall the perception was, you know, all of these debuffs, just the player just sort of ended up kind of feeling like it was kind of funny. But uh, at one point in the game, he was like he like made a charge and went to make an attack, and he like paused for a minute. He was like, "Do I need to take like three wounds or four wounds before I make this attack, or am I allowed to just go ahead and attack?" It was like, "Yeah, you know, out of tricks." <laughs> Out of tricks, uh, out of tricks of cards now. So, you know, just go ahead and make the attack. But ironically, had uh, Roynish Vengeance with a token on it and was weakened and did four wounds to themselves by rolling four ones. It was, it was interesting. It was, I mean, the four ones from Roynish, Roynish Vengeance is definitely not something that's super common. But can one hundred percent see why it would be frustrating. Um, I, I keep telling. You know, anyone who asks me about Martels, I, my answer to it is I can tell you how good they are. You'll go read the unit's abilities and the cards, and you'll kind of put it together what you can in your head. You'll put that together, and you'll think, oh, this doesn't seem that bad. They're, you know, they're super squishy, four plus, six plus. I'll just kill the spearmen, you know, yada, 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 and then, and then you get into the game, and it's, it's way different. <laughs> It's kind of similar to that experience if you're playing Baratheons for the first time. And kind of like what Carlo said, uh, I just was, he was just impressed by the amount of tokens generated by the rightful heir and, and the ba- the basic Baratheon deck. Just like you read, okay, they can do a token here. This one does a token. Okay, this doesn't seem that bad. And then you actually play the game and you get into instances where, everybody has a token that I can put a token on, so I can't even put a token on you. And that's kind of similar to that, <laughs> to what happens when you experience Martells for the first time. It's like, yeah, I read, and I thought this would be pretty strong, but now I'm playing, and this is, like, crazy. This is nuts. Like, you know. <laughs> but as far as that goes, besides just the overall feeling, you know, good deck draw and and things like that. I think Royal Guard probably probably give people some fits. Um, I think the four plus five plus profile gives them kind of a sense of confidence. Like, yeah, I can go into this unit. I can I can bang with this unit. It's going to be fine. Um, shield wall being very strong, and then just all the tokens and debuffs. And then when you finally get that unit kind of worn down, if they're running Harmon Euler, bring them right back up. <laughs> Take three wounds, restore four. Um, you know, it seems nice on paper. We'll just go kill Harmon Euler, but Martells can put threats on the board too. And the thing with Royal Guards, they're defensive, but they'll also bang with like the best units. <laughs> I mean, martial training is a very strong ability, and I think I think uh, Royal Guard are comparable to um, Born Brothers, and that's even considering vows. I think Royal Guard are a good match, like like Sworn Brothers are. They're just a grindy, strong unit. And if you get battle endurance on them and it, and it gets later game, they, yeah, just forget it. Like, they're, they can wipe out whatever unit they want if they get to, you know, round five, critical blow, thundering, rerolls. Yeah, you're just going to die. That stuff's just going to start dying, and they're not going to die. 
So you have to deal with some of these threats. You're not just going to let the Royal Guard engage whatever unit they want and, and wipe them out. So a lot of times the spearmen that are just sitting back and flying aid, they're the target. They're what you want to kill. But a lot of times as the game goes on, that's not what you're able to do. You're not really able to get to them um, the way that you want to. So. I, think the Royal no. Guard, I think they're really good. They're misleadingly good. They're misleadingly survivable. Um, I run Roost Commander, and I put Roost in Royal Guard, and then I use Nymeria NCU, who I think she's a great NCU. You give the Royal Guard Vicious with Roost, you get an unbowed, unbent, unbroken on them. Now they're taking panics at minus five because of Roost's intimidating presence, D3 plus one, and then he spreads fear. Like, yeah, they're a legitimate threat. And uh, Nymeria, you know, we're talking again about Martell NCUs. She works if either of you own the crown or the sword. So you can pretty much expect in every game, if you use your Royal Guard last, they will be re-rolling with Critical Blow, Thundering, or Critical Blow, uh, Vicious, you're vulnerable, and, and they have the reroll. So I just think they're a phenomenal unit. I think Nymeria is really cool, too. Yeah, I'd uh, uh, I'd agree with uh, the comparison of Sworn Brothers. I'd almost even say, granted, you can only run one of it, uh, Donald Noy and Shadow Tower Spearmen are almost identical. You're just trading out because uh, they'll both have set for charge. They'll both have uh, shield wall. Or sorry, no, Royal, they won't Royal have, Guard don't have that. Yeah, Royal Guard don't have stuff for charge, sorry. Um, so you'll both have Shield Wall. You'll both be 4-up, 5-up, 5-move, same attack profile. Um, so really, it's, you know, you'll have that stuff for charge, which almost then makes you a hybrid of like a Royal Guard slash Unsullied Spearman, uh, or Pikeman, I mean. Um, you know, so it's definitely, the Royal Guard are tricky. They're really good. But it's not like it's something we haven't encountered before. It's just a yeah. a, a slight difference, you know, because uh, we've already encountered something uh, a little more defensive than it at seven points, but not as offensive. But in, with uh, Unsullied Pikemen, because Unsullied Pikemen are basically a little less offensive Royal Guard. And then same thing with Sworn Brothers. Sworn Brothers are just slightly more offensive Royal Guard. Royal Guard just kind of yeah. fit neatly in between those two units. Yep, I, I think they've done a great job. I think it's it's a really good design space. They're frustrating, but things that are good should be frustrating, right? Um, I There are yep. seven-point units. We want seven-point units to be good. You could argue that, you know, why aren't other seven-point units on this level, if, if that's the argument that you wanted to make. But I, I think Royal Guard are just strong. But, yeah, if you want defensively to compare, granted the the Shadow Tower Spearmen have Unyielding, which which is a very strong ability. But, uh, yeah, Donald Noy, Shadow Tower Spears, 4 plus, 5 plus with Shield Wall. That's about the closest you're going to get to the comparison. And then you're trading set for charge martial training. Um, and martial training is just a strong ability, very strong ability. Um, where else well, he has the improved ar- armaments too to kind of uh, yeah he can get he, yeah he can give them thundering yeah 
Because I know a lot of people have kind of given Shadow Tower Spearman a little a rough time. But I think Shadow Tower Spearman combined with Illinois uh, can, can be surprisingly good. Oh, I think they're great. I think they're good. I, I think they have a bad rep. I think a lot of that stems from, you know, Ranger Hunters being really good and uh, Born Brothers being really good. I don't, I don't know that they're necessarily getting a fair shake. I, I think Shadow Tower Spearmen are strong. Um, yep. I think they'll, they'll, they'll end up finding their own way, I think. And in my opinion, I think they will. Um, but you, you know, back to it, you, you talk about how good these shadow tower spearmen with Donald Noy are defensively, but they don't, Nightwatch doesn't have, you know, Elaria to throw out the crippling weakened tokens. They don't have, they've got shield of the realms of men to help thwart you know, an offensive attack, but they don't have Dune tactics. They don't have rising temps to debuff you. So watch has Amon, but, you know, you want to, that's, that's probably your close comparison. Just try to kill Donald Noy in Shadow Tower Spearman with Amon backing them up. That's roughly how difficult it is to deal with Royal Guard or, you know, to try to kill Unsullied backed up by Illyrio. That's, that's what you're dealing with, and the answer to those units is ranged. Oh, you, you. I mean, you almost have to take ranged. Yep. Yeah, because like my uh, my Oberyn list is, you know, Oberyn and Bastard Scrolls, two Royal Guard, and a Spearman, uh, and then uh, three NCU's. I forget what I think like Doran, uh, Namiria, and. Um, uh, Littlefinger, maybe I don't know. I can't remember the NC lineup, but yeah, the, I mean, you keep the spearmen in the back. You know, you use cunning ploy on the spearmen so you can do some shenanigans with your other three units. And then, oh, and then I also have uh, one of the Royal Guard has brawn in it because now <laughs> those Royal Guard are uh, potentially a three up, four up, and the potential to get free attacks. Uh, so. It uh, it definitely can give your opponent a lot of fits. Uh, no, other than the lone spearman unit, no great targets for like Mel. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's. I think Martells are in a great spot in the sense that they're not pigeonholed. I feel like to do any one style, you can kind of run that four four up uh, four up three up line, uh, you know, four combat units, three NCUs. Um, you could run five combat units and two or three NCUs, um, depending on what you're running on the field. Uh, so definitely when trying to deal with Martells, know that uh, they're really flexible. You really have to analyze your opponent's lists because I think even though they're very flexible, knowing what the list wants to do is something that you can kind of, you know, you can look at the list, kind of look at all the key elements, and then be like, okay, this is what they're going to try to do to me if they pick this list or this list. Um, and then just have that in mind when you're uh, playing your opponent. Yep, and they, they can surprisingly play, um, well, not surprising that they can, but I, I should say they can be surprisingly aggressive and killy as well. Um not just with battle endurance. I think I think you would be hard to find people that don't think that battle endurance is just 
a crazy powerful card. Uh, but even without Battle Endurance, Unbowed, Unbent, Unbroken is just a flat negative two to morale, similar to what the Silence Men do. And, you know, if you're, if you're an old school, it's similar to old Cersei. Um, it's stacking with corpse files. It stacks with intimidating presence. It stacks with vicious. Um, when you do an attack with a unit like Royal Guard, uh, rerolls and vulnerable, even if they're a tanky unit, they're, you're going to push one or two wounds through because of the vulnerable token, maybe more. Um, and when you start to talk about taking panic tests at negative four, negative five, uh, even, even an elite unit is going to start failing those tests, particularly with the token generation that Martels can do. And in this case, Dune Tactics also placing panicked and vulnerable on you if you attack that unit and they own the crown. So um, they can do a lot of killing, and they, they can do killing with units that you wouldn't necessarily look at and say, hey, this is a really killy unit. It just ends up doing a lot of damage to you. Um, most, if you're not free folk, you know, most, most factions are running five combat units at the most. Uh, Martels have, if you count Roynish Vengeance, uh, they have, you know, six total variants of debuff cards in the basic deck. Um, if you're just looking at Unbowed, Unbent, Unbroken, and the two Rising Temps, you know, that's four. You can attach one of those cards to each combat unit. They need the swords to take them off. Uh, there's only so many times you're going to be able to claim the swords. You have to expect that you're going to be debuffed playing Martels. They are a classic, like, rogue-slash-shadow type. We're debuffing you. We're fast. Um, and because of those debuffs, we're surprisingly resilient. And also because of those debuffs, we're surprisingly offensive. The statistics of the units, like the units cards, the units stats, they don't tell you the whole story. This is, again, why I say you need to you need to experience Martells, preferably with someone that's played a few games or watched a few games and, and has an idea on how to pilot them. You have to experience that firsthand. I, I know me personally, reading through it, I had a pretty good idea. Getting into the game, it's much different than what you think. So if you have not picked them up and played them, I, I suggest doing it. If you've got access to them and it's in your price range to do it, if you like that style, like that rogue style, that control type, you know, hit and run tactics, uh, I think you would enjoy Martels. Um, in particular, if you like playing Lannisters or uh, Targaryens, I think you would. I think you would find Martels are are a happy, happy faction for you to play with. Yeah, I. I'd agree with that. Um, not to mention, like, you were mentioning six different cards in your 20-card deck that attach, especially if you're taking Oberyn, that increases by two. So now you have almost half your deck is attached cards for the opponent. And then he himself being able to attach Manticore Venom is, you know, it may not be a Tactus card, but it's still an effect that's attaching. Um, but it's a potent try to keep debuff. in mind... Um, <laughs> it's a very potent I think oh, yeah. Manticore Venom is a very potent debuff. It's, uh, I can see that one making a lot of people really sad, particularly with something like what you mentioned, you know, getting a round one charge, and if Overn ends up killing that unit, and then they're down a combat unit, they'll, they'll be really, really sad. I, I got hit with it. Cameron played Overn, and he went, I mean, he just made a beeline for my uh, She-Bears with Rickon and Asha, and poison them 
And then I was like, yep, well, this is a bad situation. (laughs) (laughs) It's worth two points, so how am I climbing out of this hole? Yeah, well, that and uh, anyone playing against Oberyn, just keep in mind that Manticore Venom is no joke. And uh, I'll ask on here, because I could have sworn I knew the result. Um, because the ability is just a base sword ability, you can't choose not to use it, correct? Correct. Uh, it says it says in the rule book something, I don't have the section open, but it's something like unless otherwise specified um, abilities are assumed to always be active, or it says something similar to that. It's actually in the core rule book. So, no, you wouldn't, you yeah, wouldn't that's be able what I thought. to use, because I, I, I think it says the first time you attack or something like that. Yep. Uh, it just says once per game after this unit completes a melee, attach it. Um, and it doesn't. it's not an order. It's not a may. It doesn't have the same may anywhere in there. It's just got the blue sword symbol. That's what I thought because yep. I could have sworn there was also that's how it was ruled with the original uh, uh, Stark Fury. You couldn't elect not to Stark Fury back in the original version of it. Um, anyways, what I'm getting at is that uh, a good tactic against Oberyn, but definitely keep in mind the out that they can have is trying to get a unit in combat with Oberyn that you don't care to have Manticore Venom on them. Because uh, unless you're extremely lucky, you're not killing Oberyn before he gets to attack at least once. And so Manticore Venom is all but insured. It's just who is it going to go on? You can... If you're faster than they are, you can possibly dictate what unit that's going to be. Now, again, what I'm getting at is keep in mind that cunning ploy is a thing. They could elect to activate someone cunning ploy and get a free retreat. Or if the maneuver zone is open, they could free retreat. Now that over in unit is free, they now potentially are in prime position to get the unit they wanted to originally. So just because the ruling is that Oberyn has to uh, put Manticore Venom on the first thing he attacks, don't think that, uh, you know, it's like a guarantee uh, counter if you can try to get someone in his face, especially because, and I'll I'll, uh, probably always use them in this unit, but Bastard Scrolls gives them such flexibility to get exactly where he wants uh, almost no matter what. If you put Oberyn in Bastard Girls with things like Cunning Ploy, the Maneuver Zone, and Tactical Repositions, there's almost nothing you can do uh, to prevent your unit from getting reached by him at some point outside of the fact of like putting a unit directly in front of the unit that you want to protect. So uh, just keep that in mind. Um, and it's funny, I was going to mention, uh, up until like the la- very last game I played with him, <laughs> I completely forgot all about Manticore Venom's uh, last ability, where every time the opponent activates, they become vulnerable. Completely forgot all about that. But then again, you know, usually the they only activate like once before they die, so... <laughs> All right, so um, is there anything else that you think we maybe didn't cover? Some other, like, pain in the butt? Um, I think I only have one more thing, um, but I figured I'd let you uh, 
there's anything uh, you want to talk about. I think you're either muted or... All right, um, so I don't know what happened to Brett. Uh, it says he's still on here. Um, so I'll just go with uh, kind of the last thing on my list, and this is something that is more of a frustration that someone in our local group has really brought up. Others have, but it hasn't been to such a degree as this this player. He's a really good player, like really good. He usually does um, top three at all of our events. Um, uh, he plays Targaryens, and so thing, uh, and there's no good answer for this one, uh, to be totally honest, um, but uh, Oberyn NCU. Uh, Oberyn NCU is so good. Um, you know, potentially five hits against something, um, especially uh, um, something with weak armor, is, it can be devastating. Uh, you know, especially if that same unit it already has a, a Roynish Vengeance on it. Um, so if you're Oberyn NCU with uh, Roy, uh, the Vengeance card, you know, activated, it could be a pretty uh, a pretty devastating, uh, you know, uh, retribution. Because uh, one of my most hated things ever, and this goes for any war game, is dying on your opponent's turn. Uh, or... Uh, sorry, on your own turn, not your opponent's turn. Um, uh, especially with um, uh, with uh, alternating activation uh, games like like this one, having my unit just try to do its thing, but first has to do this retribution thing, and then I die, is so annoying. Um, because now, not only did you have to waste a whole activation, your unit is obviously dead. So I would say there's really not a whole lot of good uh, counters to it, especially if your counters to um, an NCU is, uh, or yeah, your counter to an NCU is like a shutoff ability, and they're running Doran as well. Like, in my opinion, Doran is obviously the better choice. Like, let's say if you have Intrigue and Subterfuge, but... Um, they can only, uh, unless they're running jack in, they can only influence one thing around. So I would say potentially just not attacking if that's an option. Um, or you just, you know, weigh the risk of taking the hits. Or uh, the unit that they really need to protect with putting Oberyn on them, if you do have at least one tankier unit with a 4-up, 3-up save, um, make that the unit that's going to go after this more squishy unit because I can't tell you how many times I just simply will put Oberyn on a Spearman knowing that I'm going to get a set for charge and uh, the auto hits before they ever attack and I can still play like uh, um, Dune Tactics or some other debuff card. So uh, just keep all that in mind. Um, Brett, uh, are you... I think you're back now. Um, what are your thoughts on Oberyn and how to deal with him as an NCU? <clears throat> Oberyn NCU. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you. 
Yeah, I, you're talking about retribution effects, and, and it's a subject that comes up from time to time, and I, I think a lot of people take issue with it. It's kind of the quote-unquote punished for playing. Um, I just don't think retribution attacks are going anywhere. Um, if they had any desire to take them away, they would not have buffed Horrific Visage from 1.6 to the 2021. They would not have designing things like this. Um, I have a love-hate with them. I, But overall, nearly everybody has some type of way of doing that. I, I think you just have to accept that it's part of the game. Um, and I've been in these conversations, and again, it's a love-hate thing. I, I've had conversations with people, and it's like, well, the worst possible thing that you can do in this game is stay engaged because of all this retribution and all these bad things that happen. Well, I mean, if a ranged, if an all ranged army was going to win, you know, then that's probably what you would see, but it's just, that's not a thing. So I think it comes down to, you know, having balance, having balance within your list and having balance within your game plan. Uh, activations are strong. Uh, it seems a lot like some of these effects are meant to punish those cheaper activations. They, because they just can't, really do it, fellows, if you're running three poor fellows with Lannisters or something so that you can leverage two units of Flademen. If they either tie up or otherwise bog down and kill your two Flademen, you're left with poor fellows. I mean, what are poor fellows going to do? You charge into, like, Royal Guard, and then they've got Oberon on them. You probably just killed yourself. Right? Like, you you probably literally just die. Um, and the same could be said for something like Free Folk Raiders or... Um, you know, even to some extent, cutthroats. I, cutthroats are a, a perfect glass cannon. They can completely wreck you, so they have to have a downside. But I just, I, I find over an NCU annoying. Uh, I'm an aggressive player, so I get a little bit agitated because I want to go kill something. <laughs> uh, I might die in the process of doing it, so I get annoyed at that point. But am I annoyed to the point where I'm going to sit here and say, like, well, this game, there's way too much punishment in this game. You need to completely redesign it. No, because, I mean, we've kind of tried that. You know, Blackguard are in a good spot now. They're not auto-include, but they're also not sitting on the shelf. Blackguard get used. That's largely because of the buff to Horrific Visage. Um, it's just part of the game. Oberon's nice. You can play around him. Um, but, again, it circles back to what I was saying. Your best weapon against Martells is orbital and ranged attacks. Uh, am I saying, you know, go buy three sets of archers and, and try to run three archers into Martells? No, probably not. Will you, you might beat the primarily infantry Martell list, but if they bring, like, flayed men or whenever they get their cavalry, that's, it's just not going to work. Uh, should you consider one or two? Yeah, probably so. Um, I think it would be good. It would, it should be pretty strong. Um, just people, you're just going to have to adjust. I mean, I, again, I played against over an NCU, even Flademen. I was playing Flademen and I, I went to kill dervishes and Oberon did exactly what my opponent needed him to do. He, t he took Flademen from nine wounds to six. I lost four dice, uh, or I lost three dice. Uh, but is he always going to be useful? No, because he's predictable because He's down. You can see it. If I attack this unit, I'm getting hit with however many ranks they have left. So in a worst-case scenario, 
I just don't attack that unit. If maybe I have to back off, whatever happens, these types of things are options for you. They might not be what you want to do and maybe not super ideal, but he's not unavoidable. Um, he can only go down on one unit. I, ideally, you'll have two or three other options. And if he's down on their very last unit, then, I mean, <laughs> maybe you should go sit on some objectives or something. I don't know. Um, I, I, I say that. I shouldn't say that because that's not fair. I've been in situations where I played and it came down to my one unit alive versus his one unit alive. And, you know, he had to kill me. <laughs> he didn't have a choice. And I just happened to have set for charge in hand, and it, and it was sad for him. But um, I guess those things can happen. I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling at this point. I think my, my, my answer is Oberon is really strong. He probably could be one hit plus rank or maybe just the rank and still be good. Um, I can see the frustration because he's essentially a hold line every time you attack them. And that's um, the 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 number of auto hits might be a little too high. I could agree with that. I think uh, you know retribution is definitely a part of the game, and um, uh, retribution is not something I really necessarily have a problem with. It's just dying from one. Like before, you've gotten to do your thing. Like like maybe if you got, like, let's say if you're attacking, you got to attack, and then the retribution happened, and so you at least attacked, did your activation. It's just, like, being retributed before, like, oh, I'll activate. All right, I'm going to choose this action. Okay, you die. It's like, all right, I didn't necessarily get to do anything. Um, so I just want to clarify that point. But as far as you were saying, yeah, I think that's, that's uh, unfortunately, kind of the only good answer for Oberon NCU is, um, just kind of retreating uh, or weighing, weighing the outcome of attacking based on how many hits you're going to take. Uh, I would say I would agree with that he might be doing a little too many hits because, uh, you know, even, I mean, five hits, that's equivalent to most uh, or comparable to most units on the charge. Um, you know, because let's say most units have like seven dice, uh, and they usually miss with one if they have rerolls. So that's six hits opposed to five hits that are just triggering automatically. Um, so I, I don't know, maybe like just even just one less would go a long way, like one plus one for every rank or something. But I don't know, now that's just kind of wish listing, um, and that coming from someone who plays Oberon and CU quite a bit. But uh, yeah, I would say just just way. Uh, weigh the outcome of what's going to happen. Don't just go all, you know, you know, F it, uh, I'll just attack just because attacking is what I should normally do because that's how you end up taking more damage than you even do, especially if they haven't activated yet. Um, and, you know, if you have to, just tactically retreat. That is kind of the unfortunate thing if you put Oberyn on a unit uh, that's already engaged. Since you can't elect to not do anything, you have to either attack or retreat. That could put you in some more predicaments. But uh, yeah, so I would say out of everything we talked about, definitely Oberon NCU is kind of a kind of the harder one because there isn't a clear answer or a clear uh, counter 
Um, what about you, Brett? So I was asking before, uh, well, we're having the technical uh, difficulties. Uh, is there anything else that you had that you wanted to go over, anything either you've had a problem with or someone from your local or even just on the Internet that's kind of complained about something that they didn't know how to deal with out of uh, the Martells? Not necessarily complaining. I think uh, I think maybe Ruth Martells are a little slept on. Um, a lot of that can stem from, you know, Harmon being as good as he is, and then I think Obra is fantastic as well. Um, she's got one of the stronger field attachments that you'll see. Um, um, Doran's on-field commander, I, I don't I don't know how to say his name, Ario Hote or something like that, is also like a, a, a uh, real juggernaut of an attachment. So it's something like that. Yeah. Uh, Doran, Doran's commander, the five-point NCU with the proxy attachment, is really strong, which, by the way, is super cool design space. I love the way that they worked worked it out for him to be an NCU commander but still have something on the field since NCU commanders were pretty well done away with. Um, I think some of those, for some of those reasons, you might not be seeing people necessarily reach for Roos, but I think Roos Martels are phenomenal. Um, he's bringing some things that Martels don't have, and then he's doubling down on other elements that they already have. They already have a fair amount of token play with Ilaria. He's bringing Whispered Threats, which is even more tactics board control. Uh, he has the ability to heal with Flademan Has No Secrets. You're able to heal Bolton units, but you know if you're running Roos, you at a minimum have one Bolton unit, but normally you're going to run some Cutthroats or some Flademan. Um, and then he has like straight control. Like Martels have kind of soft control in the sense that they don't flat out tell you no, um, but Roos can just you know, flat out cancel cards and abilities. So I think, I think Roost is really good. Um, if you haven't tried him, you should consider him. Um, but I think Roost is known to just be good anyway, so people are pretty well used to the things that he does. But he can be pretty scary in Martell's, as I mentioned, with Nymeria NCU making those Royal Guard deal panic tests at negative five. And then if you spread fear onto the other unit that has unbowed, unbent, they are probably taking spread fear at a negative five with D3 plus one. It's just a ton of damage that he can inflict in one round and then turn around and swing that panic damage back into heals and just put the game even further out of reach. The one game I played with Ruth, it was pretty, pretty disgusting. I didn't lose a unit or even come close to losing a unit. It was really, 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 really nasty. Yeah, I Roos is definitely high on my list to try out. Um, I wanted to give all of the Martell commanders a fair shake before moving on to the neutral stuff, because um, one of my favorite lists in Greyjoys is Roos uh, commander. So, um, but there's only four Martell commanders, so I've gotten a pretty good uh, mixture of them all, uh, with the exception of maybe uh, uh, Harmon. Or so not Harmon, um, Doran Commander. I think I've only played one or two games with him. Not gonna lie, uh, it's a cool design space, but I I hate him. <laughs> I really hate having to pay for a five point NCU that isn't even close to five points um, in in uh, ability 
but that's just me. Uh, maybe it just isn't my play style. Uh, uh, I'll probably give him like another couple games try. Uh, funny enough, I did still win um, with him, but uh, it just seemed awkward the whole time trying to, because you know when you're already spending five points on an NCU, it really makes it hard to run three NCUs. But then if you're only running two NCUs, now you're stuck with a five-pointer that can only influence one unit you have with a replace effect. Uh, so I don't know. I like I I still love the idea behind it. I think it's just uh, a little pricey for what it does. Because um, even though Hota is really strong with a lot of cool abilities, uh, I mean, he's arguably just still comparable to some of the best commanders out there if you're just talking straight-up abilities, not tactics cards, um, which means I don't think Doran necessarily needs to be five points. Um, but it is what it is. Um, uh, but I think uh, unless you have something else, Brett, we can kind of close it out there. Um, you know, Martels are definitely really tricky. Um uh, they're just going to take time. Uh, I would say anyone that feels discouraged, just really, it's they're definitely going to be a harder faction to play against because you're really going to have to think through your your turns a bit more, which I know is not always the greatest option because you know you don't want to take too long on your turns. But the more you play against them, the more you'll kind of understand some of the situations. Will you'll already have the answer and what you need to do. Um, just be prepared for a lot of their shenanigans. But with that said, we can yeah. kind of close it out, uh, unless you had something else, Brett. No, no, I'm pretty good. I, th- I think we covered pretty much everything. I just think that they're, uh, they're popular. Um, their buy-in isn't overly pre-focused. Um, and, and I say that because free folk are also very, very strong and annoying, but some people can avoid free folk because they're not for everybody. But I think Martel's buy-in is fairly cheap. They're really popular. Um, a lot of people do like that, you know, rogue kind of ranger, hit-and-run type of play style that they're, that they're bringing. So you're going to see Martel's. I, I think you're just going to, you know, if you're not playing Martel's yourself, and even if you are, you need to learn the mirror, but – you definitely kind of need to bite the bullet and, you know, play some games, figure out how to play them. I don't think you can bury your head in the sand with Martels. And definitely take take what criticism there is with a grain of salt. I know um, I've seen at least one post, I think, on Facebook complaining about Doran. Um, definitely just take it with a grain of salt and, and form your own opinion. Um I really seeing, you know, people just follow the trend and, and dislike something because it's being talked about as a negative experience. Try it for yourself. See if it's really what it's uh, being made out to be and, and, and then determine for yourself. Try to come up with some counters for it. Um, I just don't see them going away, and I, I think you're going to have to learn to deal with them because they are popular. Yeah, um, and I would say most people I've encountered have not hated Martels as a faction, and they haven't hated, like, a ton of things. 
Uh, I feel like it's only one or two things that they don't like. Uh, you know, that those one or two things may vary from person to person, but it's not like this, you know, oh, I hate everything about Martellus. So I think that's good. Um, I think it means Martellus are, are in a good place for the fact that, you know, you could almost say that about any faction. But because we've had so many games and so much time with each faction that, you know, it becomes, I guess, normal for other factions and you just think of it as more of a balanced thing. Um, whereas with Martellus, they're new. So it's it's almost like a different perception of it. So, um, so I would say anyone that's a little discouraged, just keeping it, giving it a try, and I think uh, I think you know you'll learn how to kind of handle each of the different uh, strategies that Martels bring. All right, so uh, I would end it off with giving some shout outs. Definitely uh, want to shout out just local game stores anytime you can. Try to support your local, um, especially with uh, you know. The way things are, you know, it's, it, things are getting kind of pricey. Uh, just kind of help them out whenever you can. I know, um, you know, within your ability, I know some of the deals you can find online are so tempting. And I understand some people out there uh, don't really have a local, so I get that. Um, but also consider if you don't have a local, try to buy from a local rather than like a big like warehouse or something. Try to find a local that does shipping. Um, I think helping, you know, spending a couple extra bucks, uh, you know, is well worth it. Uh, again, within your means, I understand everyone is kind of has their own uh, stuff going on in life right now. But if it's within your means, definitely spend a couple extra bucks to help support a local. Um, playing in your basement, I do that uh, from time to time, is nice and all. But uh, you usually don't expand your player base when you play in a basement. Uh, ex expanding player bases normally happen exclusively at game shops. Uh, you can meet people online, but you know, meeting people online and then be like, "Come to my basement," is uh, is a little creepy sometimes. So, uh, I mean, we all kind of do it, but you know, you're more than likely meeting someone out in public, especially someone that's on the fence that might not want, would have not other otherwise already played or is already playing or have an army. Um, you know, just trying to keep up your local the best you can. And for those kind of struggling to increase your player base, just keep at it. Um, my, you know, it took like a year and a half, and my local is finally growing by a lot. I'm talking, I don't know, one new person every other week. Uh, on the, uh, or I would almost say at this point, on average, one a week. It's just obviously been some weeks where we don't get any, but other weeks where we get like two or three. Um, but, you know, just keep at it because I know, like, it can feel like the place is, you know, dead uh, or the game is dead by you. And maybe, you know, uh, for all intents and purposes, you know, you can kind of say it is, but you'd be surprised how many people that you just don't know about has the models or has, has been on the fence and been interested. Uh, an important thing is just be consistent. Um, there's weeks where I really have something important or I really kind of just want to stay home and relax. I, I, but, you know, if it's not like something like really important, like family things or, you know, something that you absolutely have to do, say if you're just like on the fence of going out, go out. Uh, consistency is a big thing. Um, 
player bases can be very fickle um, in the sense of, uh, maybe I'm not using that word right, but, you know, they, if people just stop going, uh, people will lose interest. So I would say if you're ever on the fence on going uh, in a particular week, I would say go. If you want the game to survive in your area, attendance is important. Um, now, don't always feel like it's always on you, but I feel like something like that definitely falls on the individual. Um, pointing fingers at other people like you're never here is not a good way. That That's like the opposite effect that you want. Um, so just holding yourself accountable on being there every week, and hopefully you'll see the fruits of your labor and others will continuously go. Um, even try to reach out to others, like let's say you always play Saturday, but there's this one person that really wants to get into it. They're only free like one Saturday a month. See if they want to meet on a different day. Uh, you know, just try to be flexible within reason. You know, within what's reasonable. Uh, and I only mention all this because I know uh, it has been a to uh, topic we covered in the past, but I've been hearing it a lot lately, and not just from Ice and Fire, but from friends that have been trying to get other games to be successful in their area, and it can be pretty daunting. So uh, my little side uh, topic aside, you know, just uh, keep at it. Um, but, you know, we can close out. Thank you so much, Brett, for coming on. Uh, it was a great episode. Can't wait for next week's episode, and for um, I'll, I'll get on Cyrus about getting those extra shots uh, uh, added to the channel. Um, and uh, I guess we will see you all next week. This is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed. still here.